Hey, welcome to the Thematic Podcast. My name is Craig, and this is a, a series called Conversations in Contrast. And my guest today is the one and the only Andrew F. Carter. Everybody, I'm going to introduce him in a second. I just want to let you know if you're new to this series, what exactly this is Conversations in Contrast. Well, uh, we're talking about pain. And um, so let me just tell the audience and talk to you about this, Andrew, that like, as you know, there's so many good things to social media and the, the way that our world works right now. There's good, there's bad, there's downright ugly. One of the negative side effects of social media specifically, but our culture in general, is that we're kind of living in this filtered society right now. Everybody's putting their best face forward and it's not all bad, but it's like, it just is, I think, unintentionally training a generation to view other people's life through their filters, through their highlights. But we all know my life isn't like perfect and I've got pain and I got struggle and I got issues. And so I'm not like them. So we feel this disconnect. And so I just felt led to do this series and pull back the curtain on people's pain and as it were, hashtag fight the filters. Mm -hmm. And so we're actually sitting in Shalom, the mobile podcast studio right now. We're traveling from Seattle to San Diego. And if you can hear a lot of noises behind us, it's because we're in the shadow of LAX. <laughs> so there's going to be a plane like every five minutes. And and that's just what it is. But uh, but that's how we're doing this thing. And so, like I said, my guest today is Andrew. And Andrew, if it's okay with you, uh, the way that I'm introducing people on this series is because uh, I know every pretty much everybody I'm interviewing, you know, could have a long, uh, perfectly curated, uh, <laughs> you know, introduction, yeah. bio, yeah. all of that. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to introduce people and you and I go back a couple years and we know each other a little bit um, and we're friends, but I'm trying to introduce each guest from the perspective of like, maybe it's just somebody in your congregation that maybe isn't a friend per se or somebody that sees you online from afar and they're not engaged with you every day but like what would just kind of the quote-unquote normal person when they when they look at your life what would their perception be and so if i could just kind of introduce you that way so what i see from afar is a man <laughs> of stature <laughs> I mean this dude's got like the whitest most perfect teeth and the muscles that are growing on top of muscles and he's like a CrossFit king and uh, and you're all over online I mean like in terms of just ministry digital missions digital evangelism your your platforms I mean like over a million on YouTube incredible over a million on TikTok you know close to 500,000 on Instagram and um, I'm gonna talk at the end of this show a little bit more about that. So I'll save some of some of the details about what you've done and the consistency there, but, and you're a local church pastor. Yeah. And so, man, I feel like when I, when I look at you, I just have so much to, uh, revere so much to like honor. So, so I, I look up to you in so many ways and I know that there's, you know, thousands, millions of young people that will probably do the same thing. And my guess is they probably look at you and be like, man, Look at the, oh, not to mention an amazing, beautiful wife and a new baby on the way. Um, and we just found out yesterday. And so yeah. I could say it here, I you think, say it here. because this is episode yeah. going to come out in a few months that yeah. they're having a little girl. Yes. And so, man, your life is ruined in a good way. <laughs> but so oh, man. if people look at your life and just think, man, this guy's got it all together. Mm -hmm. He's being used in an incredible way to build the kingdom, both in person here in L.A. County in uh in an amazing beautiful diverse crazy city but you're reaching people all over the globe online and i think it would be easy for people to say man i could never be like him i mean his life he's got it all going on look at this guy and so either you do <laughs> <laughs> or you've been through some things and what i've found in this uh series so far is that Typically, the people that are doing amazing things for, for God are not there and doing those things because their life is perfect, mm -hmm. but because God has brought, brought them through some pain, some struggle. There's a, a making of a man or woman of God in the kingdom through sorrow, suffering, and turmoil. And so either your life is absolutely perfect or you've been through some things in life. And if so, would you tell us about one of or a few of the hardest things that you've ever been through? Yeah. Yeah. Life definitely is not perfect, uh, by far. And I can see how it would look like that from the outside, uh, looking in, but, 
I am a man who is acquainted with pain and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the grace of God and the power of God uh, taking a life filled with sin and failure and mistakes. And uh, I mean, I like when Paul says uh, amongst sinners, he is the chief. Uh-huh. That's how I feel. I feel like amongst the people who are being used by God, I got to be the worst. Uh, God really dug me out of the, the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> okay, so all that sounds like something that a pastor should say. Oh, man. So, so can, can, can you tell us about it? Like, yeah. what, what do you mean? Because yeah. that's all like, yeah, I'm the worst to sit. Yeah. So what did God bring you through? You know, did you grow up in church? No, I didn't grow up in church. Both of my parents were drug addicts. So from a young age, really? um, I had no idea what church was about. I knew it was a place that people went, but... Um, both of my parents wrestled with addiction. My mother was a prostitute. My really? dad was her pimp. Uh, so I am the, the love child of uh, a woman who would sell her body to put food on the table. And my father was physically abusive, mentally abusive. Um, I didn't know the guy. didn't meet him until I was 11 years old. So uh, my life from the young age was moving from house to house, jumping from... Uh, car to car, not knowing, you know, if we were going to have lights on, not knowing if I was going to walk in and my mom was going to be overdosed, um, spent time in foster care, uh, bounced really? around from house to house. My mom spent 18 months in prison at one time. And for 18 months, I lived with my uncle um, and he was an addict. So my life was definitely. Can I ask, where did you grow up? All over the place. So I grew up. You just kind of wherever the wind yeah, took your mom. You, yeah. you lived with your mom then. With, with, with my mom. So for the first 10 years, I was here in Southern California. So I actually grew up in this area uh, for the first 10 years of life. At 11, I was put on a Greyhound bus to live with my uncle while okay. she was in uh, an abusive relationship. She was about to lose custody of me and my brother. And so she shipped us off. She shipped my brother off with his dad and shipped me up to Oregon, Portland, Oregon, to live with my uncle. And that's where my dad was from. And so when I met my uncle and lived with him, I actually met my dad and the other, the other side of my family. So was, wow. <laughs> I had to unpack. Yeah. I didn't know a, a lot of that. Um, was your mom and your dad ever like together or was it like, man, this is the, the life that they're living, the prostitute life and all that. So, so their relationship was done when I was three months old. Okay. So they weren't together after that point. So you really have no memory of growing up with him Well, as far as being present in your life. Not until after 11. Yeah. So 11, there was like a, a year period where I, I met him. My mom followed me up to Oregon like a couple of months after I had already been there. And her and my dad reconnected after, <laughs> you know, almost a decade of not seeing each other, which was my, it was so weird because I don't know this guy. I know my mom, she's wrestling with drugs. Their paths cross again. And they were like, let's try this thing again. And it was horrible. It was the <laughs> worst experience that I could have ever imagined. Uh, the the a story I'll, I'll share is that they got back together. We were homeless. And so my mom got a job working at a, a, a care facility. It this was is up in Oregon. Home. This is in Oregon. So when she moved up, you did you move out with your from your uncle and you're yeah. back with her? Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, homeless. She came up, didn't have anything. Okay. But she was like, I want my son. So right. gets a hold of me. I'm staying at my grandparents. I'm staying at my uncle's. I'm staying with my mom in a car kind of. Wow. In the middle of all these places. Is your brother involved too? My brother lives in Nevada, lived in Nevada with his dad. Okay. So different dad. He okay. went one way, I went the other. Okay. And we had grown up together. So yeah. at this point we're separated. Um, you know, my dad's unstable. So she gets this job and it's an in-home care facility. There's multiple residents. So she sneaks me and my dad into the basement of this place. And this was during spring break. And so we spent, me and my dad, a week in this basement together. Um, and I remember watching like, <sighs> MTV spring break. My mom's upstairs working. We can't leave or else, you know, we're busted. We lose this place to stay. So she brings us food. We use the restroom in a little pot and she no. takes it. And so I get to know this guy down there and he was grumpy. He was on drugs. He was using the whole time in this basement with me. And I was just sitting there watching MTV, uh, wishing I could be outside of this basement. <laughs> and, uh, she gets, she gets enough money and is paid after her first paycheck. And she was like, we're going to get out of this basement and we're going to go rent a hotel. And so he said, awesome, let's do this. Uh, give me the money. <coughs> and so she hands him her first paycheck. And that was the last time I saw my dad. 
he took off with our money and <laughs> left us stranded basically in a basement. So that, like that's, that was their relationship coming back together after not seeing each other for 10 years. Um, <laughs> and hey, let's try this thing again. And uh, it didn't sure. work out, it didn't work out at all. So that was, uh, that was my, like my memory of my parents trying to get back together. He was a, he was a selfish man, so. Bro, that's incredible. Uh, like that's your experience of your dad. Yeah. And you, when he's down there in the basement that week and he's mm -hmm. like literally in front of you doing drugs and then he takes the money, like you knew that was your dad or was that kind of hidden? No, that was, I, knew, I knew. You knew? I knew, yeah. And then, he, so he's like back in your life and then he's gone. And mm -hmm. then, so do you, do you have like a recollection of as a, you're 11, right? Yeah, about 11. 12. Like, what are the things that you start feeling at that age? What was it just like, man, I don't know. Was there anger? Was there? Yeah. Like, yeah. if you remember, can you take us deeper into like, what was that doing inside your psyche? Were you just like, like pissed? Like, yeah. why is my dad gone? Like, what what was going on in your life, in oh, your heart? I, I felt like life wasn't fair. Um, I, I went to, I think in fifth grade, I went to like four different schools uh, and I could see people's lives, people who had moms and dads and, you know, they had this consistent, uh, steady home that to go to. And yeah. I didn't have that. And so, um, I was pissed. I was mad. Uh, I didn't understand there was, again, there was no semblance of God in our life. There wasn't, this wasn't a God fearing family. Um, we didn't talk about you that did, kind yeah, of stuff. There's there just no, no experience. There's no faith. Okay. My, my environment was drugs, alcohol, sex, violence, anger, those things. And so I started to adopt those characteristics. I was an angry, uh, violent young man. I was made fun of and picked on. And I realized that I was bigger than kids. So I became a bully. I became kind of a, a menace. Um, really? Started getting in trouble, hanging with the wrong kids. At a young age, I started smoking weed, you know, at 12, 13, started wow. drinking, started having sex. I just started doing what I was a product of my environment, honestly. So, you know, at a very young age, it was um, if, if I didn't get respect, I took it. I, I would bully people. I would push people down. I would take things. I would steal. I would, you know, I just I, I was trying to survive. Um, I created these defense mechanisms to help me cope with my life experience. And so a lot of that stuff I would shove down. The drugs and alcohol started to try to numb that pain. Mm -hmm. I also found acceptance in other kids who would use and, and do drugs. We became like a gang, a group. You know, you start to, to hang together um, other kids from broken homes in similar situations. And we wouldn't talk about that stuff. We would get loaded, we'd get high, get drunk, you know, and, and do those things to take our mind off of our, our actual reality. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think that the the core feeling that you were feeling was anger? Was it sadness? Was it loneliness? Was it rejection? Mm, it was definitely rejection. I, mm. I felt rejected. I felt abandoned. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't feel loved. I couldn't understand why. Even from your mom? Or can I she ask did, that? Yeah, she did her absolute best. Um, as an adult, as a parent and a father, I realized looking back that she was a young girl, my mom had me when she was 20, uh, who was mm -hmm. uneducated, unskilled, um, and used what had she it. had at her disposal, which was her body, mm. to survive, and her wits, her street smarts. And so she did the absolute best of raising a man when she had zero understanding of how to do so. So yeah. my anger was never really towards my mom, I mean, although there were moments of yeah. like being pissed about it, but uh, it just, it, it was a, it was a mixed bag. It just depended on what day of the week it was yeah. and what we yeah. were going through. And then when was the foster care season? Uh, all of that time in and out. So, uh, my just first, like if something happened to your mom, yeah, they might pull yeah. you out. And exactly. Exactly. She got arrested one time and the house that we were living in, there was nobody to take care of me. So they put me in a foster care for a month. And then when she got out, she got custody back of me. And then um, she went to prison for 18 months and I got shipped back to California to live with another uncle, a different uncle for 18 months. And, um, he was an ex-con. He was a white supremacist. He had spent what? a lot of time in prison, had a big swastika on his stomach, what? white power on his back, but was probably, he was like my male role model of <laughs> somebody who he loved me and he, uh, he helped me understand, you know, why he had to make those decisions when he was in prison. Um, but you know, he said, when you go to prison in California, 
the whites hang with the whites, the blacks hang with the blacks. And so he was in at a young age, so he got clicked up. He was like, I'm not racist. He was like, I had to do what I had to do to survive. And oh, so he was actually what? really loving. He was, uh, uh, he taught me how to be tough. So he's to, not a white supremacist in that that's what he actually believed. It no, was that he had to fit. He, he had to do wow. what he had to do to survive. And so, so he was good for, he loved you. Oh, he loved me with everything. He oh. passed away. Uh, but he, he definitely, he loved me with everything that okay. he had. He was, a. I wouldn't say he was a good role model, but he was a role model. Uh, he was consistent. He mm -hmm. worked a hard job, but you know, he introduced us and, and would smoke weed with us uh, occasionally and, you know, gave us some drinks occasionally. Uh, let us look at pornography, me and my cousin at the time, um, because it was just a rite of passage. Like, you're 13, you should you should know about this stuff. And that was his mentality growing wow. up in a broken system. So, you know, he would pass us the magazines, you know, go get acquainted with this, that wow. kind of stuff. So I was introduced to all of those things, and it was a norm in my home. Didn't have to hide porn, didn't have to sneak or anything like that. It was just kind of when you're 13, either you, you have sex with a prostitute or you look at pornography. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is real life. Yeah. And, and I think that this is a reality for a lot of people um, because I wasn't the only one. This was, right. I was in a community of individuals who live by these same standards. Like this is just the world. It's just the world. Wow. No Jesus, no faith, no talk of God. It's reality. Wow. Okay, so is this, <laughs> is this basic like basic pattern your reality until what 18 graduation like what oh, what's next it, it took it's and you're kind of and you're like an you're like an angry numbing person this whole time oh yeah angry numbing um man manipulative deceptive liar uh you know just a, a kid trying to survive using sex as a tool to get what i wanted um i moved around a lot and so what I found is in order to fit in, you excel at sports, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's a real quick way to be right. popular and liked and then to be able to uh, pick up girls. So you come into a new school, you're good at sports, you pick up some chicks and get some notches on your belt and you're accepted. So that was my kind of go-to is be the ladies' man, be the athlete, you know, try to fit in, try to, mm. uh, you know, get some respect, things like that. Uh, all the while still smoking and drinking, hanging out, um, just trying, looking for acceptance, mm -hmm. looking to belong, looking for a, a place to fit in. And, right. you know, looking back as an adult, everything makes sense now, but I can look back and I, w I was hurt and I was broken. Right. I didn't know who I was. I had no identity. I had, you know, I, I was lost, just a right. lost kid trying right. to find my place in the world. So, so what happens? Like how? Mm. Take, take us further down the journey because yeah. the man we're looking at today right. is nothing <laughs> like the man that you're telling no, us about. So no. like, how did it happen? Was it church? Was it evangelist? Was it like, it was, it I know was you everything. got married. Yeah. Yeah. At some, at 19. So you got married at 19. Yeah. So when I was 17, it was in the first time I heard the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ okay. uh, and, and salvation. There was a gal I wanted to date. Her brother had just recently got converted to be a Christian and, um, I was hanging around their family and whatnot, and he pulled me aside one day and said, hey, if you're going to date my sister, you got to be a Christian. And I was just <laughs> like, bro, I'll do whatever, you know, I'll, I'll be whatever, because I, I don't even know what that means. So yeah. sure. And so he pulled me in the car and he broke down salvation and hell and repentance and you know, the, the, the tenets of what it is to be a follower of Christ. And okay. So he didn't just say you need to be a Christian. He like actually laid it oh, out for he, you. He talked about spiritual warfare. He broke out Ephesians six, the armor of God. Like, wow, your eyes are like, like big. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. But it made sense because, you know, up until this point I was dabbling with drugs, uh, you know, mushrooms, LSD, you know, I was popping Molly. I was doing so everything. You had a sense of the spiritual so I knew that there was something side. more to life, but nobody had ever given me that, yeah, yeah, that understanding. And so it made sense. I remember even crying. I was just like, wow, this, this is the first time that, you know, it makes sense. And so, um, I received Jesus at 17 years old. I said the prayer. Was it that day? It was that, it was he, that moment. He preaches the gospel. You received Jesus. I received Jesus that day. Wow. Um, but my life didn't change. You know, I went home and I've still got my, my walls were covered in centerfold pornography. Um, I had weed under my bed, bongs and blunts and bottles of alcohol. I went back home. And so, although there was a heart posture that changed and the receiving of the Holy Spirit, my environment was very much the same. Right. So it wasn't this Paul moment where the scales fell from my eyes and I right. rejected all of that stuff. I was like, okay, now what? Yeah. 
where there was no discipleship, there was no mentorship, I didn't get plugged into a good Bible-believing church. There was none of that. And so the only thing that changed, Craig, was that um, nothing was the same. So from that night, from that moment forward, I could never, and I, I tried a lot to smoke weed in peace. I could never do it again. Really? Never get drunk again like that. I And I tried. So like you were, yeah, some of the practices were the same. Oh, they were the But there same. was something that changed. It never the satisfied. The spirit of God on the inside. Yeah. Oh. And before that, it satisfied. <laughs> right. I, I, I won't even try to sugarcoat it. Like there was no conviction. There was no guilt. There was no shame. All of the sex, all of the drugs, all of the drinking. There was nothing. That moment, from that moment, I said yes to Jesus. Never could do it again without the same feeling it always felt empty right it's always now like something's off i'm right. paranoid the drugs i'm now i'm having these weird adverse reactions to drugs that i never had before and not knowing i continued to do them i was just like well let me do more <laughs> like yeah let me drink more let me do more of this and you know it was uh it was a chasing after the wind it was one of those things that it was a the grace of god prayer. really honestly yeah 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 it was the holy spirit and so i i ended up getting that same girl pregnant at 19 um, stuck with her and, you know, our relationship, we were young and, uh, it was an abusive relationship, especially on my part. I was a broken kid, um, in this relationship. Um, uh, it was toxic and it wasn't good. And, um, I felt pressured to marry her because I didn't ever want a kid to ever experience fatherlessness like I did. Mm -hmm. So I felt the pressure from my own self, from her family a little bit as well to make her an honest woman. And so we got married at 19 and it just, it wasn't good. I wasn't good. I wasn't in a place to be a husband or a dad. Mm -hmm. And so we kept adding kids to the situation. We had a second kid at 21. Um, we dabbled with church, tried to get into congregations. I couldn't break away from my childish habits. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't put the weed away. I couldn't put the lion away. I couldn't put the sneaking away. I just, I couldn't break free from that. Hmm. Um, and so it wasn't until I was about 23, I had just gotten out of jail. I did six months in jail. Um, and while can I was I, in Can that, I ask for what? Yeah, I, uh, I basically threatened and uh, assaulted, headbutted um, my ex-wife and uh, pulled out a fake gun on some of her and her friends. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I was 23 years old. Um, we were separated had uh, a big blow up, a big breakup, and I found myself just doing drugs up all night and didn't like what I seen and chased after him in my car and had a, a pretty wow. a pretty uh, low moment, real wow. low moment, yeah. And so I spent six months in jail thinking about all that. Um, we were separated, but when I was in jail, I ended up um, meeting this little gang member. His name was Puppet in, in jail. And Puppet was a believer. He was a Christian. And he was like, what you need in your life is you need, like, discipleship. You need to know Jesus. And I was like, well, I don't even know where to start. Like, I know I said the prayer. Nothing's changed. And uh, he walked me through reading a proverb a day and a <laughs> psalm a day. And he was just like, I remember, he was like, well, what's today? And I was like, I don't know. It's like the 15th. He goes, well, read Proverbs 15. I was like, well, why? He goes, well, there's 31 days in a month. The longest month we have, there's 31 Proverbs. So whatever date it is, just read a proverb, whatever the date it is, kind of yeah. that old trick. Yeah. And um, yeah. that was enough for me to start. And so I started reading my Bible on a regular basis, and the Word changed me. It started, it started to change me. And when I got home, wow. I was like, let's get to church. I'm gonna go, I want to start going to church. You, you and her stayed together? Yeah, we stayed together. And so... Um, uh, ended up getting into a Bible-believing church, and that church, their, their mission was to multiply, to plant other churches. And so for the first time, I got mentorship, I got discipleship, I got leadership. Um, How old are you at this point, 23? About 23, yeah. About and 23. you're in Portland? I am in Corvallis, Oregon at okay. the time, so okay. a little bit south from Portland. Um we're in church and it was intense, man. It was like seven days a week of church. There, really? was, there was something every day. M Monday was men's group. Tuesday was outreach or something like that. Wednesday, we had a service. Uh, Saturday, we did outreach. So we would go door to door, uh, inviting people to church. Sunday, there were two messages and they were different. So we had an AM and a PM and they were different sermons. So this guy mm. would preach two different messages on Sunday. And we were expected to be there. Um, yeah. And so it was just like intense discipleship. We fasted, we prayed together. Like it was big on community. Wow. And so for the first time, you know, I cleaned up my act. I felt like I belonged. I felt like I had purpose. And um, 
yeah, I feel like God was doing something in my life at that huh? time. And the thing that changed is we had a revival at this church. Every year they would do a, a big revival for the city and they would fly in this evangelist. He'd come in and speak. And so the uh, evangelist came and every night he would bring one person up and he would have a prophetic word for him. Okay. Like, come on up. You know, so he just call him out. He he would call him up. He'd say, you know, I was praying and today God wanted me to tell you and only one person. And so I was like at the time, 23 ish. um, I was working a full time job, building houses uh, with my hands. I was tired. You know, I had been working construction and, you know, that kind of stuff for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And at 23, I was already tired since I was 17, um, you know, so I was praying that I would get a word. And I was hoping it would be like a financial blessing. Like, yeah. you know, maybe it's a windfall, lottery ticket, something <laughs> like that. You know. Uh, the prophetic word that the, everybody wants. Yeah, the prophetic <laughs> word of like financial blessing. Yeah. And um, that's not what I got, Craig. I got a, a word. He called me up He on did the call you night, up, though. The, seventh, the last night of revival. I remember he brings me up and he says, Andrew, you have words of gold. You're called to speak to millions of people. And you're called to ministry. <laughs> and I was crushed. I was like, oh. I don't know a million people. I don't have words of gold. I don't like to talk in front of people. I'm just a kid who barely graduated high school. And uh, I don't want to be in ministry. Um, ministry, what I saw, my pastor was great. But he, at the time, he had 10 kids. He worked a full-time job laying tile. And then full-time ministry. Whoa! So the picture of ministry that I had, I was like, I don't want 10 kids. I don't want to work full-time and plant a church. And so I left. I left church. I walked out. What? Um, yeah. I because was, of uh, the word. Because of the word. I was just like, I, you got the wrong Andrew. Uh, a mil- millions of people. That's a big word to give somebody yeah. at 23. And this is like the time of MySpace. So I didn't know a million people. Right. I had 13 people. There's no way to foresee what it is that we're living in right now. No idea. No idea. But this, the, but this prophetic word from the Lord, which has come to pass, which has come to is pass. what sent you packing. Sent, Jonah. <laughs> so okay so what so what were you feeling in that moment like was it just was it like no you're you're just wrong or was it like you knew it was from god but you're angry because that's not the life you wanted it was like, confusion more than anything i was confused because you're just like i don't resonate with that, that at all that, that doesn't make sense to me wow it doesn't it doesn't resonate with where i'm at in life and i don't see that so you left I mean, this, you were like seven days a week, like all in, in this church in, and then in. you're gone because of this word weeks later. So the thing that really <laughs> sent me over is like the next week I had a buddy who was in Afghanistan and he came back home and uh, I played a lot of basketball at the time. And so and I, he, he invites me to this open gym. He goes, meet me at the local community college. We're going to play some ball. I was happy to see him. So I show up at the open gym. We play for like two hours, right? We have a blast. Great time. We run the court. When we're done, I'm walking out and this old coach comes up to me and I didn't realize that he was a coach. And he goes, what classes are you taking next semester? And I was like, sir, I work at the factory. I work at Golden West. This is the well-known, you know, manufactured home plant. And he goes, well, if you come to school, I'll help you pay for your, your tuition. And I was like, that's insane. I've never had an opportunity. Nobody in my family has gone to college. So he's telling me if I come to school and make a choice, he'll help me pay for school. And so I took that back to my pastor. I said, hey, because I'm still in the church at the moment. Like, it's been a week or so. And I go, this is the word. This is what I've been waiting for. Like, this is what I've been praying for. Um, I want to go back to school. And he, he said that I shouldn't. He said, he goes, I don't think that that's what you should do. He goes, if you go to school, I think that your family will fall apart when God's called you to ministry. He's like, I don't see that as a part of your, your calling. And I respectfully disagreed. I was like, no, nah, man, this is crazy. Like, I'd be stupid. Yeah, who could turn down a scholarship? Away yeah. from that. And so uh, that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, uh, I'm good, bro. Like, wow. respectfully, we're out of here. So I went back to school, left church, stopped going to church, went back to, to, to school full time, played basketball, um, ended up earning two college degrees. Uh, and, and I did well in school this time around. Got three kids now. Um, you know, made Dean's List, academic all-star, made the basketball all-star team, like did really well for myself. Really? Um, and then, and, and earned, like I said, two college degrees, not just one. I ended up transferring and going to a, a bigger university and ended up, you know, getting a degree in public health there. 
and started a gym, started my own business. I opened up a CrossFit gym. Oh, really? Yeah. What, yeah. what year was, or how old were you? I was about, I think I was 30. This is after you graduated? Yeah, this is 2013 now. So fast forward to 2013. Um, so I was like 29, 30 years old, okay. somewhere around there. And you're, mar- you're, you're still married? Still married. Still married. You have three, three kids, kids now. Yeah. And started a CrossFit gym. But but from that, from that, from that moment, you had never rejoined a different church? No, no. I walked away from church wow, because the thing was that I was succeeding. So uh, according to the standards of man. So my my money was decent. My, you know, I had goals. I had visions. I was killing it in school. And so my, my idea was like, okay, I get that religion's cool for some people, but I don't need it because I'm, I'm succeeding outside of it. Huh. I'm succeeding more outside of going to church than I was when I was in church. In church, I was working a dead-end job. I was tired. I was exhausted. I was wore out. And I was at the end of my, my right. strength there. And so now I've got this new season. I'm living out my childhood dream. I'm playing college basketball. I'm earning a degree. Wow. I'm doing all of these things outside of church. And so I was like, nah, it's yeah, just like, not for yeah, me. What's the value? It's for not me. for me huh. um, again, because it was selfish and it was right. about me. And so I started building my own kingdom awards, achievements, accolades, degrees, business. Like I started to succeed. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, no church. I, and in fact, I even dabbled with like the law of attraction. I followed like, uh, the secret. Um, I looked at other things. I was big on like motivation. I was mm-hmm. big on, you know, alpha motivation, get you pumped up mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like that lifestyle. So when I became a gym owner, I was like, a, a mini David Goggins, you know, mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm you know, blood, sweat, and tears grind. Yeah. <laughs> if, 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 uh, you know, there's no sleep, sleep's the cousin of death, that whole, you know, yeah. garbage okay. jargon and philosophy. Um, but again, I'll say this, although I was succeeding behind closed doors, I was still broken. Hmm. I had never done the work to heal, to grow, to address any of my childhood trauma. I used success as a mask to shove all of those feelings, emotions, and issues down. I had Mm. defense mechanisms that I used as a child to survive, right? I'm still this angry, violent, manipulating kid who never dealt in a healthy manner with those things. Mm. So I was still struggling with a lot of that stuff. So that kind of got me to to that point. So what happened next? Well, because you're not married to that person anymore. No, no. So I found myself in prison. Again? I, again. A second time? So this is the first time I went to real prison, like big boy prison. The oh. other stuff was jail. It was local county jail. Um, so, you know. Well, so how did that happen? Here you are. This is you're at the peak of your success. I'm in, at the peak of my in, success. In, in, you know, at least in your attitude at that point. Yeah. So what happened? So uh, I'm on the Chamber of Commerce. Um, my, our closest friends are now doctors, lawyers. Uh, you know, we're at the country club. with what? At the pool. Because my gym was extremely successful. We had over 200 members at our CrossFit gym, uh, making well over six figures a year, raking in the money. Um, I was a kid who didn't have money before. Right. You never, I had never had that kind of success. And so, um, although we were successful, I was abusing performance enhancing drugs. I was taking Adderalls to, to stay up. Uh, I was taking painkillers because I was training three times a day. Um, I was just taking this cocktail and mixture of, whatever I can get my hands on really? in order to keep up this appearance of grind. Like huh. I want to grind. I want to have the biggest, baddest body. I want to be the strongest. I want to be the fastest. I want to be, you know, ahead of the curve. And it all came boiling down to, uh, I, I hit somebody in the head with a wine bottle after they called me the N word. And, and this really? person was successful. This person was a white person. This person was a woman. I hit her in the head with a wine bottle and uh, in, in doing so my life changed and collapsed. It all fell apart. This kingdom that I had built just shattered underneath me. No more reputation, no more career. My, my reputation was ruined in the community. Um, lost my family and I went to prison for 18 months, 18 months of prison. Um, uh, yeah. And so during that 18 months, I didn't come back to God where a lot of people find crisis faith, where they come back to Jesus. Um, I didn't, I was mad at God. I played the game. I did everything that the world tells you will bring you joy and happiness and peace and success. I got the degrees. I got the house. I had the kids. I had, I had all those things. Yeah. 
And I still ended up in the place that I tried my hardest not to go. I, wow. I didn't want to be like my parents. And yet I found myself sitting in prison. And so can, can I, can I just ask, yeah. uh, the, the day that this happens, mm-hmm. was it like the cocktail of things, not thinking straight? Was it like, was it sort of quote unquote out of nowhere in terms of the violence and the reaction like that? Or was it just because there had, like you said, always been underlying, but what had the, had sort of violent things always been there the last 10 years at that point? Or was it like the specific thing that this woman said? Like, did it just throw you over the edge? Or like, how did that happen? Looking back, there were definitely signs. There were, we, there were several instances where when alcohol was involved and I was inebriated, I would lash out. There were times that I got violently. Oh, yeah. And especially with racial tensions. Mm -hmm. So uh, there was a time when we were out for my birthday and somebody called me that and had an issue there. There was there was Mm -hmm. multiple situations over the years where I lashed out when alcohol was involved, where I wasn't my best self. I see multiple times. And even looking back the week before that, um, I the week before that, I had a dog. And my dog was barking and our neighbor, I look out the window and he reaches over the fence and he shoots my dog with a BB gun. And you, a normal person would probably call the cops and address that in a normal, calm way. I jumped in my car and I drove around the block to the other side of the fence and I took a baseball bat out and I banged on his door and um, I didn't hit him, but I was like, I was on, I was this close right. to demolishing this guy. And so, those violent tendencies would show in moments like that. Wow, like okay. you could take me out of the, the hood you can take me and put me in all of the, the nice places, the country club, but the country yeah, club, but, but that guy was still that underlying violence and anger from, had never child. been addressed. It wow. never been addressed and would still expose itself in a myriad of different ways okay. and out of nowhere. And nine times out of 10, there was alcohol involved. And so this evening was, a culmination it's two o'clock in the morning alcohol fueled i took a shot of uh, performance enhancing drug that day um i was also on adderall that night trying to which stay the up. performing enhancing that's like a like, like a testosterone type yeah, thing so you're yeah. going to be you're going to be kind of more raging more anyway aggressive from, yeah, yeah, yeah more on edge and yeah. so it was this perfect storm of all of those things okay. and then in Oregon, if you don't, if people don't know, um, Oregon is still very racially charged. There's not a lot of diversity in Oregon. Um, people go, well, Portland. I didn't live in Portland where there was a lot of African-Americans. Um, the, 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 word, the word gets thrown around quite often. Really? They can't call me ugly. You can't call me stupid. Uh, you can't call me out of shape. But the one thing people would resort to is the one thing I can't change, which mm. is my skin color. Mm. And so multiple times, I, I can't even count on my hands and toes how many times there's a confrontation that would, if it was two other people, they would just probably go back and forth. But the, the low blow is always the N-word. It's like mm. their secret little card that they can pull out. And that would usually infuriate me because mm. I can get smarter. I can, you know, get plastic surgery. I can lose weight, right. but I can't change my skin color. Right. And so I just felt like it was a low blow. But in that moment, it, it sent me over the edge and I reacted very poorly. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. So in the course of like this event and the turn of events and, and you going to, to prison, so that was basically the catalyst for losing your marriage then. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have three sons. Mm -hmm. And so you come out of 18 months in prison and, but you, but there was not like a repentance season in prison. You were like angry, mad at God. I had it all. And now it's nothing. And like, now I am exactly, you know, the failure like that I grew up in. And so you, I'm assuming your gym was no longer yours or had gone. No. So you step out of prison, somebody that at one point had given their life to Jesus, but it doesn't seem like there's much in terms of your faith going on this time. And now you're losing your marriage, you're all that. So, okay. So we're still, (laughs) we're still this place where we're looking at a man in his now early thirties that doesn't look anything like the man that I'm sitting across the table from today. Right. So where, where is the point where it goes from, I said a prayer or even when I'm thinking about, and 
you know, your like season of we're in church seven days a week, but then you leave because there's some disagreements and what was spoken over you. I'd imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, that, that even that season, it wasn't necessarily Holy Spirit relationship filling you, transforming you. It was more like, oh, this is what we do Mm -hmm. or or else I'd imagine it would have been hard to leave just everything because, you know, so... So like what brings you to a person now where you're not just doing things for God? You're not just because it's the right thing because I'm a religious person. Like you obviously know God. Yeah. You know the Holy Spirit. He's Mm -hmm. actually converted you to use an old school word that really (laughs) needs to actually take place in people's life. Like conversion from the inside out, not just behavior modification and like, oh, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to learn how to not be angry or deal with this or that. Obviously, I mean, I'd imagine some of the substances being removed from your life Mm -hmm. helped Mm -hmm. but that's also not the cure the cure has to be from the inside so when and how did this take place was it losing the marriage was it like when like tell us yeah so the first year that i was out i was just trying to recover like i was trying to get back on my feet um started another gym with some of the old members who used to be a part of the gym um and and the the sad part was i started to succeed again so we started a gym, things were going good. Um, I was taking trips. I I was trying to make up for lost time because now Mm -hmm. I'm divorced. I've been married since I was 19 years old. So my first year was just me going crazy. Honestly, Uh it was, uh, it it wasn't, it's it's not even a proud moment for me. Like you would think that, um, I would have learned, but I got out and started to succeed. And I just, it was reflection of like, okay, I'm heading in the same direction again. Mm. Nothing's changed. I just, I don't want to waste that 18 months that I, I spent on timeout. Like there's <laughs> gotta be out. something. Yeah, man. It was like adult timeout. Like right. what do I do with this? And so, um, people kept saying they were praying for me and people kept, you know, encouraging me just along the way to like, you know, have you read your Bible? Have you talked to God about it? Those kinds of things. And it was just a moment of like, you know what? I, I think that I, I need to get back to, I need to dust off my Bible. And it was, it, it's hard to explain. There so was, it wasn't like a service or a conference or a preacher. It oh was just no. this, like, it was, you, there was a root of the spirit in you. And you just, it's like, you came to the conclusion on your own. Between you and God, it sounds like, man, I need to reevaluate this. Okay. Well, the, the, I feel like the Holy Spirit's a hound. He's, he's a <laughs> hound, man. And he, he, there was a calling on my The life, hound to heaven. The hound to heaven. And he, he would not let me go. And no matter what I did, nothing satisfied. And so... You know, no, no, I got to this place where no amount of sex, no amount of money, no amount of success, all of these things, I had to see them. I'm hard headed. I had to grab those things and see that, okay, I got everything. There's nothing that I can say that I didn't get. All of the promises and the things that people think that social media, fame, influence it's going to bring, I had to go get those things for myself. And once I had them, I was like, it's empty. It's a chasing after the wind. Right. There, there's nothing there. There's got to be more to my existence. And to get back to like what we're talking about, there's got to be something that I've gone through this pain for. What is the purpose of this pain? Right. I didn't just, God didn't just throw me down here just to go through it. There's got to be something in right. there. And so, um, I, I did, I started to go back to church occasionally and I was so broken. I, I, I just would, I'd show up and I would hear the message and it would feel okay. And I mean, it, it was just, it was a whole lot of things that came together. And so I started praying more. I started looking at my Bible. I had a roommate who was a Christian um, and he, he prayed for me and he would always encourage me. And he sat, you know, he, he sat upstairs cause he lived upstairs. I was downstairs and he would, he was just watching me and he never judged me. He never, mm. you know, called me out. He just, he loved me, encouraged me and would, uh, he would, he would just drop those little Holy spirit nuggets mm-hmm. from time to time. Just truth. You know, is that really happy? Is that like, I yeah. see what you're doing. I see how you're living your life. Is yeah. that satisfying? Yeah. What are you getting out of that? Yeah. And, uh, eventually came to a place of repentance and it wasn't until like to get like to wrap it up to where I'm here now, I was following Gary V and Gary V is one of those guys who's saying, you gotta, you gotta do everything. You gotta be on TikTok. You gotta be on Instagram. At the time I was trying to build an online social media training, like Physical platform. Yeah. yeah. Wanted to be a trainer to the stars. That was like, uh, one of my dreams or visions. And so, um, I download TikTok 
of all things. I got my kids. They're saying, Dad, TikTok is kind of the thing. Everybody's on it. Gary Vee's saying, get on TikTok. This is like you know, early 2020 this or is, 19? Uh, or 2019. What? This is 2019. 2019. He's saying, hey, you know, you got to be on there. So I download it. And, you know, at first I'm doing fitness stuff. Really? Nothing's taken off. I'm, I'm allergic to shirts. I got no shirt on. I'm doing all the bodybuilding, the fitness things. And I was just like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm wasting my time. I just feel like I'm wasting my existence here. None of this is taken off. So I was feeling pretty depressed. I was just kind of down and out. And I remember one night I, I read my Bible. I was getting ready to go to sleep and something was just like, make a, make a Christian TikTok, like make one. And so my first just felt Christian, a prompting. I just felt a prompting. And so <laughs> the first thing that my first video, it was me just pointing at stuff. And I pointed at a box that said things God's carried me through. And I was like, okay, what has he carried me through? And so I pointed at a box that said divorce, one said prison, one said foster care. <sighs> and then the other one said, and, and everything else. And that was it. It was like a Lauren Daigle track. Uh, <laughs> I am. I've got my little gold cross necklace. Lauren Daigle. Uh, it was, you know, it was just, it was cringy. I look back at it. I was like, it was cringy. It was, it was what it was, but I shared it. I went to bed that night with 200 followers. And those are like my close friends, yeah, people I know. Right. The next morning I woke up with 15,000. No. Yeah. 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 Um, so, there was like some confirmation in that. And so I'm back at work. I'm at the gym coaching CrossFit. My phone's blowing up. I'm like, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. I've never shared any kind of faith or anything about my beliefs. I've never, I've always been ashamed of foster care. I've always been ashamed of my right. divorce. I've, I was extremely ashamed of going to prison, but I just put it out there. I was like, cause Gary, Gary V was saying, just be real, be yourself. Don't, don't sugarcoat it. People love authenticity. And so those are the first time, like, I just exposed myself. This is what God's yeah. carried me through. I'm yeah. a broken mess, dude. I don't got anything together. And I'm reading messages the next day. I'm, a, I'm in, like, awe. I'm in shock. And one of the messages, and this is what completely changed my life and put me to where I'm at today. One of the messages said, uh, hey, Andrew, I saw your video last night. He was like, I've been to prison. I've been divorced. I've been to foster care. And he goes, last night I was going to kill myself. But I saw your video. You're smiling and you're saying that God carried you through it. He's like, so I'm going to give God a try. And I'm going to, wow. I decided not to kill myself in a nutshell. <sighs> and um, in that moment, I started weeping and the Holy Spirit came over me and there was this confirmation and just that word, that prophetic word from over 10 years ago came to mind. And it was like, you've been, it came to, to mind in that moment, in that moment. You have words of gold and you're going to speak to millions of people. Wow. And that was the confirmation. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is the vehicle on how I'm going to reach the world and talk to millions of people about Jesus. And so I made a decision that day. And look, I was still battling some things. I was still wrestling with some stuff. I, I hadn't like had this big conversion. There were still some, some pretty big things that I was still wrestling with. You know, I was still smoking a little bit of weed. I was still drinking occasionally. I was still with, you know, multiple women making a Christian TikTok. I put wow. myself out there Wow. and I did a couple more videos and there was a good response. And as I was making those videos, the spirit started dealing with me. Yeah. You can't do, you, you can't, can't live yeah. both of these lives. Yeah. You can't be telling people to do this when you're not doing it. And so through me putting that content out, I started like cleaning up my life. I started going back to church. I started wow. like, you know, working out my salvation with fear and trembling. And I got to a point where for the entire month of January, 2020, I wept and I'm talking like, my kids, they, they, that was the first time they've seen me cry. I repented. I asked them for forgiveness. I, I broke down and God just, he worked wow. in me miraculously. And, and it was through, it was through this accountability of saying, I've called you to use this platform, but you can't live like this. You can't be something that you're not. And so, you know, um, I, I used that as something that helped me get myself back on track. Wow. Get myself dude. back in alignment with the spirit and what God was doing. That is crazy. I often say to people, especially young leaders, like the the presence of a leadership call or mantle or like role in your life might be the greatest accountability that you have. Because if there are just so many times in my life where it's like, if I wasn't in a position where I'm leading other people, it would have been so much easier to fall back into other things. But now all of a sudden there's this healthy weight that's on my shoulders of, no, I need to be this for for them and for this role mm -hmm. and it's and it's it's actually it's so that's crazy because you didn't you didn't like go through a discipleship process and now you're like healed and whole and ready to start preaching online yeah. you were still 
dealing with, still dealing which with stuff. I, and it, we're not condoning. Go ahead and just keep doing those things. But right. I guess one of the positive things is like for anybody hearing this, man, start serving the Lord and watch him change you because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And you, you know, your treasure, you're putting your treasure in his kingdom and the promotion of his kingdom. And now it's like, oh man, I got to, it's like when Jesus told him like, Hey, pray, pray to that God would send people into the harvest field. Yeah. Because God could have easily said to the disciples, you guys need to go to the harvest field. But what God knows is when we start when we start praying, God, send somebody to the harvest field. Then all of a sudden we start thinking, wait, I'm asking God to send somebody. Am I going? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and so he yeah. accomplishes both at the same time. So, dude, I didn't know all that. Yeah, yeah. So there's obviously been a, a radical then that God has used the last three years. Yeah. As he's using you to to build his kingdom and to serve and to speak to millions right. that his prophetic word be fulfilled. Yeah. He's, he's done that change in you. Yeah. yeah. Obviously you're still growing and all that, but I mean the man that I'm sitting in front of and the Andrew that I know right. looks nothing like the man you described. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was interesting yeah. because that, that season of preparation to plant a church was always in me. So I, that, that word had never departed from me. So I went through training, discipleship, mentorship, leadership to plant a church at one point and walked away from that. So it's, I, I always like to bring it back. It's like, I, I didn't just show up out of nowhere. Like there was still, as I was reading the word, it was like, it was quickening back to me. Mm. So it was an acceleration. So I, I didn't just not ever have any training. Like I spent almost three years in that church being discipled i spent a good oh amount so of that time. Pro- in that church that was there was a process was actually a process, process back then discipleship ah. and that's when they were calling me to ministry they wanted me in the pipeline to, to I plant see. i see and that's what i ran from i was like i don't want to plant a church like i don't want Jonah. To, yeah You're so like, nah. there was all of there was all of that preparation so when it came back to me it was like a flood my my mind was reopened it was almost for 10 years there was a block on the word the scripture that i had consumed the fact the prayer, the time spent with the Lord, it was almost like it had never happened. And then coming back to him, it was like the floodgates reopened. And so now there's this quickening and there's this acceleration and there's this speed of like, okay, we took a detour, but we're going to pick up right where we left off. So this training in the word, in the discipleship program came back to mind. Now, mind you, the first couple of months I wasn't preaching and I wasn't, I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't in ministry. I was just doing Christian TikToks. I was pointing right. at boxes. I was saying prayers. I wasn't trying to lead or teach the word. Um, that didn't come until, you know, a full year later, like down the road. So I was a Christian influencer, um, but we didn't, I didn't have a ministry. I wasn't in ministry. I wasn't I in see. leadership. I had no accountability. I didn't have mentors at that point. Um, and when things got serious, we actually launched a nonprofit in 2021. Uh, in 2021, we January of 2021, we launched this nonprofit and we were trying to give back to the homeless. We were trying to do things and create initiatives and organizations mm-hmm. here in Los Angeles. And after six months of having that nonprofit um, and, and getting some good leadership, mentorship and people in our lives to hold us accountable and to speak into our lives was when we got the call to plant a church. And mm-hmm. so it was, I mean, it was the word of God and it was coming from those who were seeing over us, God spoke to both of us and, you know, we, we moved forward with that. So we started a nonprofit in January and we planted a church in October of the same year. So it was, again, everything's been, yeah. So everything's been accelerated. It's been fast. Uh, but it's, but you have a, you have support, accountability, oversight, those things, networks Networks. in in place, uh, mentorship, um, pastoral leadership, accountability, like, uh, it was, it was one of those moments of like, God, I, not me. Um, right. but it was, it was the word of like, if you build it, they will come. It was a filled of dreams. Huh. moment. If you take this step of faith, I'm going to provide financially. I'm going to open the doors. You're going to have the leadership. You're going to have everything. Will you go? And I said, we said, yeah, we'll, wow. we'll go. And he has provided every step of the way. I shouldn't be in rooms that I sit in. I shouldn't right. be. It's it goes to show that it, it literally and, and pastors will say that. Oh, it's not me. It's I can't be more. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, just something I, we say. I'm nobody. <laughs> I I've really have come a long wow. way and have experienced a ton of pain. And where I'm at is only because of God. So I tread very carefully, very lightly. I live with a lot of integrity, and am very. I try to remain very humble because 
it could be gone in the blink of an eye. So <sighs> I take it very seriously. Oh man. I wonder if, um, just because we need to wrap up this section, there's people listening that like, like the gentleman that commented man, I've been through foster, mm-hmm. um, or I've been through divorce or I've been to prison or I've been through that life where my dad wasn't around or my dad only used us for something or my mom was strung out on this or that. I mean, so many points of pain in your story, so many that people could resonate with. If, if, if I were to just ask you a simple question, like, man, for people that are, that are living in the types of pain that you've been through, what's, one piece of advice that you could encourage them to either think, to do, to change that you could give them right now? It would be to lean into the pain. I believe that the pain is a part of your platform. Um, mm-hmm. What I've gone through, uh, it gives me the privilege of being able to speak into people's lives who have gone through the same thing. Mm-hmm. So a part of my ministry is I work with God behind bars. So mm-hmm. I, I now have the ability and the respect of inmates because I'm not just preaching from somebody Some preacher, who yeah. has heard about it. I've been there. We also work with the foster care system. So mm-hmm. I'm not just some guy who has a heart for foster kids. I've been a foster kid. We also have a marriage ministry. So uh, it's from somebody who's failed a marriage, it, I, I'm giving you know practical and mm-hmm. applicable uh, advice from that standpoint. So rather than looking at myself as a victim, many of the things were the choices and decisions that I made, but some of the things I didn't choose. Right. And so rather than playing the victim or looking at my pain as something that would prevent me from ministry, I've leaned into my pain mm-hmm. and realized that it makes me more compassionate, more empathetic. Uh, it gives me the ability to better resonate and relate to people because mm-hmm. my neck isn't stiff to the fact that I can understand what it's like to wrestle with addiction or to wrestle with brokenness because I've actually been there. So lean into your pain. Mm. I believe that your pain is probably the platform or the point that God wants you to uh, lean into. Your audience is probably found in the people who have gone through similar things that you've gone through. That's good, man. Well, thank you for sharing, man, so much of your story and intimate details that uh, I appreciate that. Of course. Um. Conversations in contrast <laughs> is about two primary questions. Of course, the first is a lot bigger and longer. We hear your story, which is, hey, what's one of the hardest things you've been through in life? But the second part, the contrast is uh, to end this episode, I just want to talk about something awesome. <laughs> and so um, I don't know how much you know about this, but I, I tried to do a little research behind your back, <laughs> texted your wife, some friends, and said, hey, what's like just something that amazing that Andrew does or something really healthy that he does or something that maybe people wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't talk about necessarily because it might sound like bragging. And, and now I, I, I want to talk about one specific thing. Now I know that it's not totally hidden from everybody because it, it is really what you've been doing, but it is very unique. And so it's not, it's not like nobody knows. Um, but the fact that you wake up at 4 a.m. every day, <laughs> that right there is enough to say. But as I understand it, you did at maybe 5 a.m. or sometime early in the morning mm-hmm. what you call coffee and prayer yeah. for every single day for a year or more? Yeah. A yeah. year? 372 days. 372 days in a row. Yeah. And what, and what was, so, okay, so tell, so that's awesome. Okay. So this is ridiculous. And I, I also, from experience, know what it looks like to do something consistently for a long period of time, mm-hmm. which I had never done until 2020. And so it's something that not a lot of people taste and experience. Right. It's, it's a crazy thing that you're doing or have done. Mm-hmm. So don't be humble. Tell us about that. Like what, what led to that and, and tell, and give us the details. Like what did you do and how did you do it for 372 days in a row? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, okay. So we, when we planted our church in October of 2021, um, our very first service, uh, I was just harping on the fact that like, we need the word of God. Yeah. There's no way around it. Like that will change and transform your life. Yeah. That has been the foundation. And so I challenged our congregation. I said, look for the next 30 days, let's 
read at least one chapter from the New Testament, one chapter from the Old Testament uh-huh. together. And I said, what I'll do is I will go live on Instagram and I will walk you through it. I get up at four every day. So that was my time with the Lord. What I'll time go, do you go to bed, bro? Uh, 10, 10, 30 sometimes, maybe 11. And you get up at four every day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, naps are also a thing. Hello. You can take. So if I'm, if I'm feeling tired, I'll take a nap. Okay, but, so uh, you always get up at four. What time did you start doing these uh, Instagram? 5.30 a.m. 5.30 every day. And it was like, hey, let's just day. do this for 30 days. For 30 I'll days. help you. Yeah. Uh, for okay. 30 days. And so we go live with the church. And, uh, I mean, by the end of the 30 days, I think we had like 200 people showing up live. Mm-hmm. And that's more people than we have in the congregation. And so, um, you know, people were loving it and they were like, well, let's go 60. And I was like, all right, well, let's go 60 and then 90. And then the next thing you know, I was like, well, you know, let's go 150. And it was building steam and momentum. And, and at the time, not only did we plan a church, but we also went on tour. We went on a 10, uh, it was a 10 city tour. We went to like Seattle and Miami and Dallas and New York and uh, Nashville. And we went and did this, uh, this deliverance and, and deliverance ministry with another organization. Oh, okay. And so while we did these tours, I was going live and people were loving it because I was in different time zones and I was, uh, you know, keeping them up to speed on what was going on. And as we went, some of the people who were joining were in some of those cities. And so they came out and met us and it became its own thing. So not only did we plant the church, but we started this coffee and prayer and, uh, you know, people were growing in the word and they're starting to know their Bible and they're starting to fall in love with it. And I think that people lack consistency in their life right. and consistency is that's, that's my superpower. So I, can, <laughs> I, I, I will out show up thing to things, you know, you might be faster, smarter, better look, you can be all these things, but you're not going to beat me at consistency. Was the consistency always a thing for you, even in your crazy years? Or was that something that developed later? That happened in foster care. That happened in foster care. Just because you needed some con- something Man, concrete? I, I spent w- my sophomore year, I was in foster care for the whole year, the whole school year. And I can go on record and say that was my best year in school possible. And it was because it was consistent. Wow. I, I showed up to the same house. There was always food. There was always lights. I played basketball for a full, a full year. And I realized I had a 4.0 my sophomore year. I dropped out my freshman year, 4.0 my sophomore year. When I went back with my mom, my junior and senior year, I struggled again. So for me, it stood out. Wow. If I'm consistent, you recognized. I can excel. Ah. So uh, I've always strived for consistency, routine, stability in okay. my life. And in doing so, I've achieved some really cool things. So okay. that's my So you get to like 150 and you're like, I'm just going to keep going. We're going. And I said, let's go, let's go a year. And so, yeah. you know, we, we got to that year and um, my rest is actually when we went to Israel. So that was the first time that I took time off. We celebrated our year and then we went to Israel. And during that time, that 14 days, I didn't go live um, and I just kind of soaked in it. But when I got back, I got instruction to finish the Bible in its entirety. So we are going to have this comprehensive library because I break down one chapter from the old, one chapter from the new. Uh, I break down the historical, biblical, cultural context. Um, It's a full on, it's basically a sermon. So I give those sermons every single day and uh, I'm trying to help people become more Bible literate. And so what I'd like is that if somebody's like, well, what does it say in Exodus chapter one, verse 15? What does that make sense? They can go to this video and look into the cultural, historical, and biblical context, as well as get some food for thought and something that's applicable. So uh-huh. I want to create this comprehensive library. Yeah. And so yeah. right now we are on the third pass of the New Testament because the New Testament's far shorter and we are inching our way through the Old Testament. We're in Second Kings right now. Um, and it's, it's been great. It's sharpened me as a pastor, as a leader, to get up and preach every single day. Yeah. Um, it has made me better. It's you know sharpened my knowledge of the word and of the scripture. Um, so after so, yeah. the 372, did you stop or are you doing it now? Just No, uh, we, we stopped to go to Israel for 14 days. And then when we came back, we do Monday through Friday. So I also remember when we went and had uh, the Shabbat and the dinner. Yeah. So after that, I just got big instruction from the Lord that rest is of the utmost importance. It was yeah. a cool feat. We got the T-shirt. It was great. But uh, now there's rest. We go Monday, Tuesday live. Wednesday is a throwback video. Thursday, Friday is live and I take the weekends off. So now it's a different rhythm, but we still go. You're still going. We're still doing it until we complete the Bible. Yeah. Dude, that's incredible. Consistency is such a a thing that like people need. And wow, dude, that's one of the most consistent things that I've ever heard of in terms of ministry. Yeah. That's amazing, bro. Thank you for sharing that. So 
speaking of then in conclusion, where can people find you if they're not currently following you listening, if they want to, to be part of this either live or go back and look at the, the archive, mm-hmm. where's it at? Uh, primarily, so I go live on all platforms. So we're live on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. The library lives on YouTube. Okay. And so, how do they find that? Andrew, uh, Andrew just F. Search Carter. Andrew F. Carter. Andrew F. Carter. Yeah. Okay. And then if you're in the LA region and you're looking for a church, tell yeah. us about that real quick. Uh, Royal City Church. Search Royal City Church. Royal City Church. Yeah. You guys are meeting in the Inglewood area? We are in Inglewood at the Miracle Theater. Yeah. Okay. So if you're in LA looking for a church, Find these guys, Royal City. You can find them online. And uh, anything else you want to share before we conclude? Oh, I think I poured my heart out. <laughs> yeah, you did. Could you just say a prayer then in conclusion for anybody that's struggling, facing any any sort of pain that you went through, struggles that you went through, uh, just give them a prayer for hope. Yeah, most definitely. So Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this time where we get a chance to share the things that you've carried us through. I pray that anybody under the sound of my voice, mm-hmm. anybody who's watched this episode, God, that you would soften their heart, that you would open their eyes and their ears, that they would be receptive to your truth. God, I pray that you would help them to see that you love us as we are uh, and you love us enough to where you won't allow us to stay the same. God, I just pray that you would help them to see themselves the way that you see them. I pray that you would open their eyes to the truth and to the authority and the boldness and the courage that they have as ones who have been submitted to obedience Mm -hmm. and to faith in you. God, I pray that you would illuminate the path that you would have them go down. Uh, Lord, we even ask that you might wreck their plans, wreck their plans, their dreams, their expectations so that yours would be exalted. God, we don't want it if it's not from you. We pray for closed doors. We pray for missed opportunities. Uh, God, we just pray that you would take us by the hand and that you would illuminate the path that you would have them go down. I pray that you, Lord, would be the focal point of their existence, that you would be exalted to first place in their life. God, I pray that you would help them to see Mm -hmm. the purpose in the pain that you would help them to see that you are a good God, regardless of their circumstances or their missed expectations, their crushed dreams, that your nature and character does not depend on whether or not we're getting what we want. I just pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them in the middle of whatever it is that they might be going through and that they would come to find uh, a new love and fire and excitement for your scripture, that it would Mm -hmm. be the foundation and the rock on which they build their lives, knowing that building on you, they cannot and will not be moved. So God, wreck them in a new way. I pray that the words that we spoke here would be anointed and Mm -hmm. that the Holy Spirit would have its way in their life. And we are believing this and praying this by the power of the blood and in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, bro. You're welcome. God bless you all. Thanks for joining today.